0: Hear the words from Corinthians. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Surely we do not need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you, do we? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter of Christ, prepared by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets that are human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are qualified of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our qualification is from God, who has made us qualified to be ministers of a new covenant, not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello, Siwao. My name is Gustavo Smok. I am um, a member and an elder here at um, Siwao. do you mind if I keep my jacket on? I try to match the shirt with Pastor Phil, but it's so cold, I'm just going to keep it. You know? So, I'm sorry about that. Thank you. Um, so, as Bora said last week, and uh, Diana the week before, um, we as elders are in the process of search, searching for a pastor. And at the same time, we have learned that it's absolutely necessary to, uh, to learn ourselves and learn who we are before starting search, searching for a pastor. And uh, <clears throat> so I was asked by the elders to provide a reflection today in a few minutes. Um, so we have the slide that, for the presentation. That, that slide, that's a document that um, we've been working so hard that it makes me proud to be an elder. Um, and then uh, Bora last week helped us prove that many of the perceptions or interests that uh, can become a reality and actually our superpower. Um, so, all those are the uh, distinctives, and those are we as superheroes. So, today I, want, I have a couple of questions for you that I want you to answer. So, I would like you to invite, or invite you to think for a minute today of what was the appeal of that church that you first attended? What was that experience? Um, other than the pure love of Jesus, of course. But what kept you coming? Um, were you one of those people that first attended to church like when, since you were young or more like when you were a youth in your life? Um, were you one of those rare cases of someone joining the church after the age of 26? Because people tend not to join churches after the age of 26. Um so uh, is this very very first church that you were attending, um, or maybe this is the very first church that you are attending, and what is, it that, what is it appealing to you? What are you trying to, what are you looking for? What does it make you keep coming? So that, that's the question, and that's what I want to reflect on today. So as you know, I was born and raised in Chile, and um, only later in life I came to the United States. And um, I came to live in the United States, and and I met Jesus at a very young age. I remember being only nine years old when receiving Jesus in my heart. It happened after a very charismatic pastor who had preached for a long time that evening and repeated himself many times, and multiple times, not just that night, but the week before. um, uh, He kept repeating and, and, and inviting us to come to Jesus. But nevertheless, somehow, that particular night, he nailed exactly what was in my heart. I was nine years old, and I, I felt a deep need for redemption, and I decided to surrender my life to Jesus. I was overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and weepingly and I approached the pulpit and committed my life to Jesus. I felt loved. I felt I was part of something bigger than me and my thoughts and experiences, and, and I felt like I had a friend um, not just in Jesus, but also the community that was praying for me and supporting me. So th- that's the picture of me when I was 14 years old. So a few years passed by, and I kept attending to church. Um, um, my family kept moving from one place to another, but we always found a church that we were part of. Um, Many years later, so when I was 14 years old, I was attending to an evening service in a mostly small suburban church and a community where my family and I were living back then. And I had another transformational experience. On that day, um, another pastor, quite charismatic, uh, that had been invited from out of town, he preached loudly that night. Uh, he, He was a little bit pushy, too, and aggressive. Uh, But he was very passionate, and after that long sermon, uh, he prayed so intensively over our small community and our church that many of us received the Holy Spirit, and we were speaking in tongues, and and it was a very overwhelming feeling. So that night, again, I felt the joy. I felt that uh, maybe the world was a little bit more unknown, uh, unpredictable, and unexpected than I had imagined. A new perspective opened up for me, um, new frontiers that coincided with my youth curiosity. I felt, again, I was not alone. I belonged to a community, and at the same, part, uh, at the same time, I was part of something bigger and maybe historic. So that was, that was one of the pastors I had in, the, in another church. He was always encouraging me. That's a Christmas service, I think, that I'm, I'm helping lead. So this is not the very first time that I stand in front of a church. That's what I wanted to bring that picture for. So, in fact, most of my very first memories of the church are very similar to these ones. I remember spending hours and hours of my childhood days and or youth days uh, playing with other children and youth, um, enjoying Bible studies, Sunday school, um, and the Sunday school old school with, like, you know, paper figures and puppets at times. Nothing so technological like this. So as a young child, I remember um, running in the halls of the church, attending weekend or summer camps with other children, or later on with youth ministry in places far away, in other towns with the community of brothers and sisters, and often with the families too. The parents provided food, local families provided lodging and transportation, and showed immense generosity, sharing as much or as little as, as they had. I remember hours spent drinking tea, sharing bread and butter, and maybe jam or cheap bologna, really, with my um, other youth. And for some of those kids, that was the only meal that they had that day. But here's another layer to my story. I have little to no memory of my church or community spending um, time talking about any political issues. I was told that the church would care for heavenly, spiritual things. That was the belief. And non-mundane problems. At the same time, you may remember that between 1973 and the early 90s, which which was most of my formative years, Chile was still under the rule of a military junta. And um, for this reason, uh, not just my circle, but the country in general could not talk about political stuff. It It was totally banned. There was no room for questioning authority or discuss politics uh, or uh, oppression of any time. Um, racial or social justice or LGBTQ issues, among others, were far from being an issue, really. Nobody would talk about those things. Um, so also in terms of money for me growing up and housing, my family lived for, m- for many years for free in my grandparents' house. And later on, when my parents decided to move out, it was challenging for them. Uh, they often did not have enough money to pay rent, and so we had to move from one place to another to avoid troubles. Um, but thank God I had a large, generous, extended family, and my that business had a few good weeks here and there, so food was never an issue, really. Um, in the early 90s and before coming to the United States, I was mostly living um, and working and living pay- paycheck to paycheck, um, working 48 hours a week and then decided to go back to school and keep my full-time job. So I really had little time, energy, or money to allocate any resources, uh, to others in need. In that context, honestly contemplating the subjects of social justice, social reconciliation or LGBTQ issues in our church, um, it was a little bit challenging, um, a, almost a luxury, really. Um, um, so then I arrived in the Bay Area in 2005. When I arrived in the Bay Area, I felt so blessed to have landed at Siwao. Siwao connected with me immediately because there was always food, there was always uh, open homes and places to live with people. They were sharing houses. They people were being roommates and even talking about living together, buying houses and living together. Uh, But I also began noticing that gentle push for subjects as social justice and racial reconciliation or race itself and environmental justice. I particularly remember the the race series back in 2005 or 6 when we were still still at the fin hall. And I confess that I, I was a little confused. At the beginning, it took me a few months really to wrap my mind around, why are we actually talking about race at church? So as I reflect back on that particular experience, I noticed that probably I did not have the muscle memory uh, to dive deep into the semantics of it. Um, I was just not used to the talk of race. So gro- growing up in church, I do not recall having any serious discussion about race. In fact, you know, in Chile, everyone kind of looked similar up until the 2000s, and, and, and we never really had um, serious discussions about the issue. Um, So today, um, for all these reasons, is that I am so thankful to be part of CWOW. I've been part of this church community for now 15 years, and during this time, I've learned and educated myself about an array of subjects and never reflected on before, and I've had the opportunity to even discuss these things in church. At the same time, in my personal life, I've been blessed with new and more resources, so because of this experience, and now I'm prepared I feel like to serve God in a different way. I'm immensely thankful that although I might not share the same level of passion for each one of these topics that we discuss here, um, I'm still a proud member of this church and for this community. And when my brothers and sisters are talking about these things, I feel like I'm part of that too. And I try to engage, maybe not with the same passion that the leader of that group is doing it, but for me, it says something, and it's it's helpful. I can take credit for that for it. So today, I'm open to letting myself learn more about these issues, and I'm thankful for Giving Week because I don't even have to do the research. I just know that that's the place where we want to allocate some resources. Um, but I still, I confess that I still struggle a little bit to fully understand why some people feel so passionate about some of these things. And it's difficult for me, and it's an exercise that I have to continue doing. Um, Yeah, so again, thank you for your time, and thank you for listening. Uh, I'm gonna let Abby to dive deep a little bit more on this. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Gustavo. So Gustavo started us off with, with a story of his own, right? And, um, his reflections, I think on like community, right? When he, right? When he came here, he found something familiar. He found something that he loved. He found a part of Siwau that he connected to immediately. But there were also really important things to Siwau that he continues to like, Oh, I have to figure that out right? I have to cross a bridge to get to some of these places. And I think each of us have some level of story like this, various backgrounds, reasons for the parts of CWOW that we connect to most deeply. Our convictions and our callings and our greatest aspirations for what our community, for what Church Without Walls, what we can be and what we can do, Um, so Gustavo has this passion for community and hospitality for sharing food. He's really good at that too. If you have an opportunity to just like hang out, have a deep conversation with him, really great, really excellent, superb. Um, I've felt especially recently, but throughout much of my life, a calling to keep talking and thinking about the interactions of sexuality and queerness with God in the church, which I've talked about up here. And, you guys have your own, I'm sure. Something we talked about in the last two weeks maybe uh, that we put up here on the distinctives or that was a part of one of the superheroes. Maybe something that you have a great passion for isn't as well represented in what we do super regularly at CWOW. Or maybe you feel a little bit of a dearth of passions That maybe you're, like, missing something. You have to work harder for something, like Gustavo was saying. Maybe you have something that you're really trying to get us to do more of. That's great, too. Both of those are great. All of you belong here. That's what we're going to get at in the end, that we have these things that we're dedicated to as a community, and they've changed over the years. And they might continue to shift and change a little bit as we respond to what our membership needs. Um, and we might not get to all of them. That's part of what being a community is. Or we might be a little slow about some of them. Uh, like, I must admit, it can be pretty hard to have... My conviction about queerness here, I have all these ambitions in my head to hold like regular and continuing conversations, to have another life group related to this, maybe another book club. Sometimes those are not met. More likely, they're just really slow, Um, few and far between. And uh, sometimes that has me feeling some tension and dissonance between my aspirations and the reality of what it is to be in community with you all. It's a holy discontent. Before I even get into holy discontent, I do want to prompt you guys to have that in your head. Be thinking and wondering, what are my places of holy discontent? Because I am going to ask people to share later. So be thinking, be thinking as I talk. Uh, holy discontent, I'm sort of defining and talking, talking about it as a God-given passion, interest, or skill that you have personally and individually, or maybe with like your best friend or your spouse or somebody in the community with you. Um, that's unmet or unfulfilled in some way. They're places of deep conviction, importance. They're things that God has put on your heart. Put in your giftings. And we're here together, a community with a list of distinctives, because we share some of those convictions. But they're kind of unevenly distributed, maybe a little bit unequally distributed. And when there are things that are this important, it can be hard to be in community together. Everybody has their little place of tension. I wish we did more of this or we do so much of this and I don't feel connected to it. This kind of tension I think naturally provokes fears of leaving, right? Like I want to have this conversation about queerness, but that is, I know going to scare some people. Or we want to have this intense conversation about race, an intense reexamination of the institutional racial sin that we've participated in. But that's going to make some people uncomfortable. Provokes a fear of people leaving, which when another one of our great values is being community together. Oh, that's layered tension we don't want people to leave so how do we bridge that tension it's not easy and sometimes it's not fun but i think it's actually one of our most important shared convictions is being willing to have really disparate deep passions and still be together and look towards each other, and look towards God through looking towards each other. I think. Um, let me see, where am I at here? <sighs> so, I think, uh, I think that we bridge that by leaning in, right? Radical center, I think, is a little bit more about listening than like coming together into a central place. It's more about turning towards a center. Um, I think it's good that we have really different things going on. Um, and I have a little example for that that I'm going to go through. It actually comes from, I'm using a way more chill, less fraught example of uh, a sermon that uh, Dana Cunliffe gave uh, many years ago not as many years ago as the 2005 race series, Uh, (laughs) when we were in BCC, I believe. I don't know what the sermon was about, but this one piece really stuck with me. (laughs) This one piece, I think about it all the time. She just said that, you know what? You might be in church, and you might really just dislike a worship song. You might think, this is not rooted in the kind of theology I believe in. Or you might think this is too repetitive or this is too complicated or I can't sing this. It always makes me frustrated or I don't know. Like there's many reasons. And if you don't like it, it's not for you. Turn your eyes instead to your community. Learn like Gustavo did. I think... Um, his learning about race is a lot about looking at the people who are passionate, even if he can't totally figure it out. So I have a little, I have a little illustration for this. Look, there's me, I don't like a song, and Gustavo, who really does. That's what we're saying that they are. And do we go towards a middle? Is there like a middle to find? I think it's okay that I don't like a song. That song is not for me. So no, it's not that. (laughs) instead let's just face each other and you know what it becomes a little better immediately when I see that Gustavo likes this song it doesn't make me like the song more but it does make me have a little smile and it puts us in community together it grows us in community it grows me in discipleship right being able to see somebody else's passion something else that I'm not good at it makes me feel like even if whatever I'm hearing on whatever Sunday is not something I'm that into I still belong in this community you still belong in this community that is one of our deepest convictions together and now I have for us an exercise in prayer together. So um, I'm going to go through a couple of the steps and then, and then we'll, we'll actually go through them. So I'll explain them first. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of us to share their places of holy discontent. So I hope that you've been thinking about them and then Kim and, uh, and Maddie will write them down on the slide. And then Uh, yes, and we'll pass out a mic for that. And then after that, I'm going to ask a couple of people, well, we're going to have a time of silent prayer for a bit to pray for those places of holy discontent. Um, but specifically I want you guys to think about somebody else's place of holy discontent. And at the end of that silent prayer time, and I'm going to ask a couple of people up to share their prayer out from the mic from the front. We're trying to get it so that even the prayers are able to get to our online folk. And if online folk have a call to prayer as well, they can type it and I will read it out. So let's start with places of holy discontent. Does anybody have a conviction that's unfulfilled that they would like more of in this community that they would like to share this morning?
3: Hi, I'm Lila and um, this probably isn't a surprise, but it's still hard for me to say it. Um, you know, even after being back in the United States for um, yeah 17 years in County, um, after living in Latin America, but I feel like the economic divide and our church is growing. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if maybe, um, you know, folks who don't have many resources have left our community and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, where's the space and the place to bring folks back in?
2: I would love to add mine just that I I would love for us to continue to have conversations about complicated questions about sexuality.
4: It may
5: be some of who I am, but I think there is a drum that beats inside me that says we're really good at talking about complicated things and profound, um, understanding and and there's a lot of room for that and I, I just wish we were more people of action in terms of mm. how we lived out our justice so
2: mm. let's try and get a couple more some good prayer fodder.
3: Okay, I'm like still processing it in my mind. It's related to Munch Club. (laughs) Um, So when I first came, okay, I don't, so like in my intersectionality as an Asian American woman who grew up in an Asian immigrant church, that was like all of my early years as like a youth. But then as I like um, departed to college and post-college life, I went into non-Asian spaces, and there weren't spaces like Munch Club, so I, I lost that tradition of being able to communally eat in um, the spaces. Um, but so when I came here, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, meals after church. But I think I realized, I was like, oh, shoot, dang, everyone's, like, every person for themselves running to get the food. And, and I was like, this feels Weird. What's happening? Um, And I think it's because growing up in a very communal context, it was kind of taught in me to like wait for my elders to go first, and um, or or being very clear about children being fed first, and just like having this culture of being able to like pull yourself back and being mindful of those who. are more, I don't know, not vulnerable, I don't know, just mm-hmm. like, res- like respect for um, like newcomers, or elders, or like youth, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that was something that I was like, oh, something doesn't feel right right now. Like we're really great mm-hmm. about environmental, being eco-friendly, which I loved, um, but I think there's more, yeah, the cultural dissonance, mm-hmm. <laughs> the respect of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I think that, um, you know, I'll frame what I'm about to say with the last few years have been hard for everybody. And, you know, it is a time of looking inwards because of, you know, all the disruption we've all been through for three years now. Um, But I also think that within all that, um, the whole piece in our mission statement about outreach and engaging you know, the people that are immediately around us, you know, the neighbors, the co-workers, the, you know, it's not a reach at all. You're seeing them multiple times, you know, in a week and engaging them with the gospel. And it takes a, I understand that with everything that's happening and trying to just get through each day and each week, you know, it, it would take something extra in terms of listening carefully and, you know, drawing out other people and all that kind of thing. But, um, I think that that opportunity is still there as much as it was, you know, when this church was founded.
2: Mm-hmm. Got any more? I'll give you a couple more seconds. So we got it, Tim.
4: So I think it's very important um, That as a church and as we are, you know, kind of looking and, you know, redefining or reestablishing who we are as a church, we got to take this white Christian nationalism serious. Um, We can't act as if um, something uh, as destructive. And let's be very clear that it's rooted in the racism that has always been in the church. So that's number one, that this is not something new. This is not some new political trend that's sweeping the nation that came up out of nowhere. It's part of a well-rooted history within the American Christian church itself. And if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't, as we're looking at who we are as a church, know what the definition of that because it's there's a there's an intersectionality that white Christian nationalism encompasses around race, around gender, around masculinity, around economic wealth. It's all in there. And so we need to be very clear about what it is that we are not, don't want to become, and are actually a A rebuttal to, um, I think, in order for us to really be doing anything meaningful when it comes to uh, being a church that's centered around justice.
2: I just want to add briefly to what Tim said, because I agree with that as well. But I also feel like one of my holy discontents is a longing for us to have a loving conversation about our church and the ways that the insidiousness of
0: that whiteness has even come into our spaces. Mm. And that's a hard conversation to have. And it's hard to have a prolonged conversation about it. Mm. Like, I feel like we've touched it (laughs) and Mm. then we moved on. But I think for us to really sort of be the counter narrative to what's happening in our nation, um, that has to be a part of that.
2: Right, I think I'm going to wrap up our sharing of holy discontents here. But keep thinking about those. Keep thinking about the ones you've heard from your brothers and sisters. Keep thinking about your own. Keep praying about them. Um, let's take. I'll. Uh, open us in prayer briefly and then take a couple minutes of silence or quiet prayer with, uh, with Erwin playing lightly and, uh, have that on your heart, have your brothers and sisters, holy discontent on your heart, focus yourself outward for a moment, um, to others in this room, And see where the Holy Spirit leads. Holy Spirit, come, lead us towards each other. Open our eyes to your work in our community as a whole. God, you are good. God, I pray that you are the center that we are looking towards together. I want to invite up, let's say, four to five people who are willing to pray for somebody else's holy discontent. If you felt a stirring in these past two minutes, if you are up for it, please come up here. (laughs) I know that's a big ask, but we want to be able to share it also with those online. And if you are online and you've felt this calling, go ahead and type that into the chat. Maddie will give me a little wave and I will try and read it out for everybody um, so that we can share those prayers as a whole group. Let's wait for a, a couple to come before we start. Gustavo willing to pray? Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe somebody who did not share a holy discontent. Maybe somebody who did. What's well, a little different than our usual prayers of the people? Jazz. It's another level to come to the front. I think you guys can do it. <laughs> Thanks, John. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Phil. And Anne as well. Anybody else speak now or walk up to the front now? I'll open us, go back to the line, and then close us at the end, and kind of wrap in any others that we mentioned today that were not um, that were not prayed for. God, you've put these passions in the hearts of our brothers and sisters, and I pray that you would be a part of spreading them around, of helping us see them a little bit better.
6: Jesus, we um, uh, we hand off all these areas of holy discontent to you. Um, God, we pray that you would use... Um, These areas that feel uncomfortable, that feel difficult to talk about as opportunities to bring us together as a community and to knit us uh, together um, into a new creation. And in particular, I pray for um, the areas of systemic racism within the church, um, the church in the U.S., the church globally, uh, ways in which um, uh, white privilege has um, created the construct of our church and has um, uh, been oppressive uh, to many of our brothers and sisters in our country and globally. God, and I pray that we um, as it relates to white nationalism here in the U S conversations about whiteness within CWELL, God, I pray that you would uh, come and be present um, in those conversations and in that ongoing conversation that we have. Uh, God, for those of us that are white, that we would um, engage with that and be present um, to the history of Sin within the church and um, yeah, and our role in um, how we bring about um your vision of community, your vision of um church life uh, with with all who are different from us um, God pray that you would give us the the courage um, pray that you would give us the wherewithal and the fortitude to press into those areas.
1: Heavenly Father, um, I'm thankful that we can bring up to you all this discomfort and all the frustration. And uh, I'm confident that you are listening the way that we listen our brothers and sisters here. And we lift up this this discomfort to you, for you to heal it, to repair what is broken, and to make us um, a bigger, stronger church, stronger members of your community and and the church that we serve, that is ultimately you, your church, God, the one that you established in the earth. So thank you for... um, Loving us even in those spaces of uncomfortability and pain and frustration. I pray this in the name of Jesus.
7: Father, first I pray for those who, like my sister, who brought up the sense of longing for traditions and Respect around potlucks and meals, but underneath all of that is the sense of, of what have we lost? And that relates to families, that relates to churches, and that's a longing that, that many of us feel that that something is looting our, our grasp or we've lost it. And I, I pray for this congregation, and I pray for those. For whom you've put that on their heart, may you teach us how to reclaim what, what you have for us. And the other thing, Father, I pray for is when it comes to some of the deep burdens that you have put on our hearts, would you show us ways that we can move beyond Just uh, the, the feeling it, but would you raise up writers and artists and scholars and entrepreneurs who can help us move out and, and into these areas so that we can speak with joy and with prophetic voices using whatever gifts you put on our heart so that we can be a kingdom community that reflects that. And that enlivens this church.
8: And Father, thank you for all of the passions that we see in the sharings that we've heard, but also the many things that we talked about in the last three Sundays. So as we praise you for the ways that you have created us to be passionate people, we also confess that we are slow to act. And a lot of times that it's just comfortable to talk about these deep things, but not making any decisions about what to do from these places of passion to go forward, to make decisions, and to push forward into places of uncertainty and places that may contain our fears and places where we may not be able to do things perfectly. So we give these places of fears, these places of insecurity, and in the places that we have done less about what you have called us to become and to do. So, Lord, come and have mercy and change us into a people of action and also a people of love that can see beyond the people that we can see here next to us, but the folks that you love out there in our community and beyond. So we ask you to become the light that we need to be able to go before us so that we can follow and to be more than who we are individually because you have placed us into this church to be a community that is brave and a community that lives out uh, your call that you have placed upon us. So thank you for bringing us together to do something that you have placed in all of our hearts.
2: God, we lift up all of these things on the list behind me, all of these things that have been prayed for by my friends that are on our hearts in silence right now um, and that uh, that you have been bringing to us throughout all of our lives individually. God, help us to bring them to the center, to offer them on your altar, and God give us the strength and the sureness, the decisiveness to turn them more quickly into action, into active justice, into brave sharing. Of the gospel, into more um, more uh, more decisive sharing of our resources, into more um, more radical sharing of love, into more difficult conversations and God heal the brokenness that makes those things difficult. You are the only one powerful enough to bridge the tensions that we hold. Bring us together, God,
7: in your name. Amen.